my name is Nikki. My name is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed, Bed Crime, crime Stories. Stories, a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. It is time for true crime headlines. I want to. I was like, am I supposed I'm, to do something? No, no, no there? you're fine. <laughs> so I was like, what did I forget? It was a dramatic pause. It was there for suspense. No, it was so, more of a, did I forget something? No, it was more me trying to decide if I wanted to sing it or just say it. And I decided to go with saying true it. True so. crime headlines. Okay. I was like, Ugh. Okay. Ugh. So I do have two headlines for all y'all this evening. The first true crime headline comes to us from allthatsinteresting.com. This was published on November 20th, 2020. Um, and the headline reads, teacher arrested on charges of cannibalism after missing man's fleshless leg found in park. So this actually happened in Berlin. Okay. So this mm. is a international true crime headline. Ooh. And once the victim's leg was found riddled with bite marks in the Berlin park, police dogs led officers to the suspect's home where they uncovered a bone saw and a cooler for storing meat. He was a 41-year-old elementary school teacher, and he, like, ate this guy's leg. I don't know why I was thinking it was a female teacher that no, had done teacher. this. Two teacher. Two teacher. So he just cut off... The, well, I mean, I'm assuming he killed him, and then cut off his leg and ate the Did it say who the it. victim was? Like, how they knew? Um, They said who the victim was... And no further details about who, how they knew each other or what the relation between the two gentlemen were. Huh. But yeah, it took a bold, big old bite. Man. A lot of them, apparently. I just, yeah. I don't understand what makes people urge. Neither do I. Neither do I. There's, that's a, that's a level of depravity that I am not aware of. Sorry. I'm just like, I'm like, what? It does one? confound one. It mm-hmm. does. It does. Yes. So that is my first true crime headline. My second, I'm going to give a little shout out to my good friend who sent this to me via task, text and suggested that I tell it on the podcast. So uh, shout out to you, DB. That is who I will. That is what I will call you. Um, this is from lawandcrime.com. And the headline reads, father arrested after allegedly decapitating daughter and son over COVID-19 stress. So the dad was a personal trainer in Southern California. He was arrested after two of his children were found decapitated in their home on Friday. 12-year-old and a 12-year-old boy and 13-year-old girl found in separate bedrooms. He I guess went crazy and uh, there's very little detail. This obviously is a very recent uh, story, so not a lot of detail as pertaining as to like motive or what happened, but he decapitated two of his children. There were two other children in the home, too, that had to be mm-hmm. removed from the home. Yeah. I think I was, I was reading in, like, another article that there was also gasoline. I think his, his main plan was to burn the house down. That I did not. I didn't read uh, that much detail. I only okay. read, like, very preliminary surface details. I think I, I, think I saw article. that in one of the ones that I saw, and I was like... Craziness. Just absolute kooky-kooky. So, I mean, yeah. it's just 2020 is pushing people to... Dude, for real. Which, um, by the time you guys read this, will be in 2021. So Hopefully it's better there. Hopefully, you know, it's better on the other side. Though, I mean, you know, I doubt it. But <laughs> maybe I'm just that type of a negative person, but I doubt it. 
Oh, jeez. So, all right. So that's it for True Crime Headlines. I'm going to now pass it over to Nikki. I'm going to grab my glass of wine, and she is going to tell us her bedtime story. So, as a reminder, I'm not an expert by any means. I enjoy true crime, and I have found all of this information on the internet. Mm-hmm. My sources for today is Wikipedia, because mm. thank you, Wikipedia. Because it's the bomb. And Rollingstone.com. So... Um, so I got the 70s and I, you know, you got Ted Bundy, you got the Golden State Killer, of, you have lots of heavy hitters in the 70s. You do. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I like to do, especially with this podcast, is I like to do stories that I don't really know that much about. So then I feel right. like I'm also learning too. Yeah, for sure. So I did The Mysterious Death of Nancy Spungen. Ooh. Which. Sitting Nancy. Yes, thank you. If you don't know who Nancy is. So. Which I actually learned a lot that I did not realize. And I didn't realize that they were as young. Yeah. As they were. Yes. She was very young. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. I thought that they were like late 20s and this is why i gave you guys a challenge a year ago. thank you for the challenge thank you for the Joby. challenge thanks thanks because i'm like the best producer jovi you're the best you're the best so um born on february 27th 1958 to a middle-class family in philadelphia um when nancy was born she was nearly uh dead of oxygen deprivation after being choked by her umbilical cord during delivery interesting yeah so nancy appeared to suffer no brain damage and was released from the hospital eight days after birth so she had no brain damage so um so young nancy was a difficult baby uh throwing uh crying fits and tamper tra- uh temper tantrums late into childhood mm. um at three months old she was prescribed a liquid bar barbiturate did I say that correctly? You did. Look at me! I can say big words! <laughs> Put that on my SAT prep. Thanks, guys! <laughs> Normally I suck. No, I'm just kidding. Normally I struggle. <laughs> so, by a pediatrician. Um, her, But her violent behavior persisted. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Deborah, um, which is her mother, stated, I know it's normal for babies to scream, but Nancy did nothing but scream. Um, Nancy scored superior on an intelligent um, test at the age of five and was allowed to skip third grade. Remember when they test you when you're like younger to see if you're going to be smart or something? Like, yeah. yeah, I was in the gifted class. I, I was not. They, well, uh, the test was flawed. I mean, yeah. Look, I I will be one of those people who will at least slightly to my own horn. I, I'm not, I'm not a dumb person. I definitely would like to say that I, I would consider myself in the smart category, but gifted. I am not, I can't do at all basic or s- simple math. Like Mm-mm. even by any stretch of the, imagination. I, uh, like simple subtraction confounds me. I, I mean, I graduated with more credits than I should have, which is kind of nice, but you know, I didn't really try I got super hard through high school on surviving on my good grades from like the theater classes and mm-hmm. the chorus classes that I took. That was kind of how I was able to get enough credits graduate. I won an award for photography. 
nice. for like most improved because I was an asshole my first semester. Nice. And then I listened to my second semester and I was like, look at me. I got a varsity letter in chorus. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're kind of nerds. Like we're like. Yeah. I even got a varsity. And band. And band. Yes, I actually did get a varsity uh, letter in band. I got a varsity jacket for chorus. Oh. I totally rocked it too. Did not care. It was advanced chorus. It said it on the oh back my God, of my jacket. That's amazing. Yeah. The fact that I wasn't shoved into lockers daily is still surprising see i dropped out of chorus because my teacher made me want to uh, she like she tried to get us to sing by ourselves i oh. said no i'm not doing that i was mad. i'm a, i'm I a was behind mad when i couldn't sing by myself i'm i'm the type of person who's like i'm a behind the scenes like oh, give me a spotlight my friends that's why we work really well mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so um though her element um though she excelled academically she had very few friends during her elementary school years. Nancy was a temperamental child who exhibited violent behavior towards her younger sister, Susan, but was very caring towards her younger brother, David. Mm. She allegedly threatened to kill her babysitter with scissors and attempted to batter her psych- uh, psychiatrist, who accused her of acting out for attention. Yeah. Mm. So, at age 11, Nancy was um, expelled from public school uh, when she was absent from class for more than two weeks. Which, first off, what the hell is an 11-year-old doing? Absent for two weeks? For two weeks. Oh, that's strange. Yeah. I was like, when I read that, I was like, what the hell? Where were you? What the hell? Yeah, for real. Her parents enrolled her in Devereaux Glen Home School in Connecticut and at Devereaux Manor High School in Pennsylvania. In January 1972, she ran away from Devereaux Manor and attempted suicide by slitting her wrist with scissors. Wow. So she was how old at that point? <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to ask people to do math when I can't do it myself. Uh, so it's 58. 14? Yeah. Yeah. Dang. So when she was 15, her psychiatrist diagnosed her with schizophrenia. Yeah. Which makes some sense. Yeah. I was going to say schizophrenia or bipolar. Yeah. yeah. So in April 1974, Nancy graduated from uh, Lakeside High School two weeks after her application to attend the University of Colorado Boulder was accepted. Okay. Um, she began attending the university at 16. I mean, she was smart. Dang. Yeah. Like yeah, she was yeah, a yeah. smart girl. Mm-hmm. She just had her own problems issues yeah for yeah. sure yeah. um so but five months into her freshman year she was arrested for purchasing marijuana from an undercover police officer wow if only she could see colorado now huh i know damn, damn. i'm like it's, it's crazy wow. to me that i don't know uh when she was later arrested uh when she was later arrested for storing um stolen property in her dorm room the university of colorado decided to expel her so frank her dad traveled to boulder and accepted a plea bargain for her, which resulted in wow. her being banished from the state of Colorado. Jeez. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know that you could be banished. Man, alive. Yeah. Wow. They're like, you know what? No thanks. We're just gonna. No thanks. We're just gonna leave it. I'm we're gonna, just gonna. We're just gonna pass on that. Is it Nancy. fine if I just throw my papers no, on no, the floor? Okay. This okay. is how. This is how I work. Yeah. <laughs> it's just easier to be like. This is how I do my best work. This is how I do my best work. So. Um, in 1975, a 17-year-old Nancy moved to New York City. She pushed her uh, way in with the emerging punk crowd, meeting um, rockers like Johnny Thunders and Cheeto Chrome, which I was like, I don't know who either of these people are. Maybe. I don't know. No. 
Do you no. know who these punk, are? Punk scene is not my. That's I not mean, my I was into forte. like. I was into the like the Sex Pistols and the Ramones and things like that. Like growing up when I was in like middle school and high school, but like I dabbled, meaning that I know like hits of yes. the Sex Pistols. And the oh, Ramones. I had but I had I it just, on cassette. I was not a punk kid. Like I was not into punk. Music I'm a punk kid. I'm still a punk kid. Uh, so Nancy quickly established herself in the punk scene as a new kind of groupie mm. as a punk journalist Legs McNeil. I love the names in this. Yeah. Uh, told New York Magazine in 2008. She embodied the nastiest parts of the scene. We were tired of being nice. It was like, fuck you, McNeil said. Um, the left invented that political correctness stuff. Punk was supposed to piss everybody off and make people think. Which it does. Uh, yeah. Um, so she arrived right as the punk movement was blowing up and the heroin epidemic in New York City. Yeah. She was blatantly honest about it. She bought, uh, she brought drugs for the bands. Photographer, um, Elaine Polk, who knew Nancy, told, uh, New York Magazine. In order to be a groupie, you had to be tall and skinny and have fashionable clothes. And then here comes Nancy. She's not trying to be cute or charming. She wasn't telling people she was a model or a dancer. She had mousy brown hair and she was a bit overweight. Fuck yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's not in there, but I'm saying fuck yes to that. And then she basically said, yeah, I'm a prostitute and I don't care. Which I, I read that, that she was a prostitute somewhere and I was like, I didn't. Huh. I don't know if that's like legit or if. I don't know. Or if, like, that was just her. Because I, I saw this. I, justification's not the right, right word. It's just that that's, like, how she saw herself. I bring the drugs. I have sex with the people in the band. That's kind of who I am. Type yeah. Because it's, like, I saw this this more than once. And we know that prostitutes is not the accurate word term. It is sex workers. Mm-hmm. So, and I have nothing against sex workers. You do your thing. So, Nancy followed bands um, such as Aerosmith, Bad Company, the New York Dolls, and the Ramones. In 1977, Nancy followed Johnny Thunders and Jerry Knoll of the Heartbreakers to London. Though most found uh, Nancy abrasive, one uh, person didn't seem to mind her crass exterior. John John Simon uh, Ritchie, better known as Sid Vicious, the bassist for the Sex Pistols. The two met in London in 1977 and quickly became an item. The couple rattled around the UK and the United States, first with the the pistols, and then when the band broke up, just the two of them on their own. Um, So the Sex Pistols initially uh, formed in 1972, but it wasn't until 1975 when their manager, Malcolm McLaren, found John Lydon, changed his name to Johnny Rotten, and uh, stuck him in the band that the pistols really took off. The following year, they were signed to EMI. So, in 1976, they um, broke into the mainstream with their hit Anarchy in the UK, which is a jammer. Mm -hmm. Uh, A few months later, bassist Glenn Madlock left the band after clashing with Johnny Rotten. So, in February in 1977, one of the group's earlier fans took the stage name Sid Vicious and joined the band. This is the part that I love. This is what I love about punk music. Despite not knowing how to play the bass. Yeah. Like, he didn't know how to play the bass. And he just got up there and he's like, I got it. Don't worry. Sid Vicious will take care of it all. No worries, my friends. 
So, uh, Vicious's mother was a heroin addict, according to Johnny, and Sid seemed drawn to strong personalities. Deep down, he was a shy person, wrote Dennis Morris in the Never Mind the Bullocks, a photographic history of the Sex Pistols, as reported by People. I think he was frightened of the audiences. Um, Once Nancy and Sid met, they were inseparable. Nancy taught Sid all about sex and drugs and the lifestyle of the New York rocker, wrote Malcolm um, McLaren on the Daily Beast in 2009. But the other members of the Sex Pistols hated Nancy, Mm -hmm. which... Someone had said, I was like watching one of the documentaries, they were talking about, they kind of compared it to like John Lennon and Yoko. Yoko, yeah. Yeah, because they were like, people hated him, but you also had to keep in mind, like, that was their person. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, I think most, if not all, of the Beatles have come out to say that, like, they actually had no problem with Yoko Ono. It was the fact that they knew that the Beatles were getting ready to break up anyway, and they kind of needed someone to blame. So unfortunately, Yoko Ono was the person that everybody yeah. kind of blamed it on. Um, I love Yoko Ono. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have nothing. I mean, no, I'm just like, I'm a, I'm a huge Beatles fan. And I know like yeah. a lot of Beatles fans still hate Their Yoko son, Ono. I love her. Their son is like spitting image. Oh, looks just like him. It's crazy. It really crazy. Insane. Yeah. But the other members of the Sex Pistols hated Nancy, a woman viewed by even people who liked her as domineering and combative, which, fuck yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, for the 70s, for a girl to be like, fuck you, this is who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Punk girls are like a different breed. Like, I could never be them, but I like, I I admire them so hard. Mm -hmm. Um, Because even to this day, a lot of these girls are just very. Yeah. Um, but their contempt ran so, so deep that they even banned her from their 1978 tour. So she was not liked. Um, as the Heartbreakers tour manager, Lee uh, Childers said of Nancy and Lee McNe- uh, Legs McNeil's, please kill me the uncensored oral history of punk. She was a junkie, a drug supplier, an all around low life. She was very... She was a very bad influence on people who were already a mess. She was a troublemaker and a stirrer-upper. So Sid Vicious was one of those people who was already a mess. Even the Sex Pistols' official website acknowledged um, Vicious's uh, drug addiction hindered the band. Uh, So basically, uh, Vicious's drug addiction hindered the band, interrupting their 1978 tour, that had already riddled with like the infighting between the band. Yeah. Um, Nancy had fueled their mutual addictions, including it would seem to each other. So as the Sex Pistols tour manager um, told people, Sid began to dislike everything except heroin and Nancy. After the last performance in January in 1978 in San Francisco, the Sex Pistols broke up. So on August 24th, 1978, Sid and Nancy moved into the Chelsea Hotel in New York City. So a place that was housed the likes of uh, Bob Dylan, Patti Smith, and the Jackson uh, Pollock, which I was like, I don't know who that is. Jackson Pollock, he's an impressionist artist. Oh, okay. On the night of October 11th, several visitors to the room saw Sid take as many of 30 tablets of t- tuminal, a far larger dose of the barbiturate that most of us could survive. Dang. And one certain to put nearly anyone into a deep state of unconsciousness for hours, and he remained comatose for through the morning, uh, the morning's early hours. Wow. So you like what? What have you always thought about like Sid and Nancy? Like what have you always heard? So I know. I mean, I like I know the story of Sid and Nancy. Okay, so I know like in a drug fueled night, they like basically 
Sid Vicious woke up and she was already dead. Like she was stabbed okay. and bled out. Like I think in the bathtub. Yeah, like Running I always thought that they died the same night and they. Oh no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, no! I was always I under that, that impression. Yeah. yeah, I knew that they didn't. I think people sometimes think of Sid and Nancy as kind of like the modern day Bonnie and Clyde. Yes. Um, and that they went themselves on like a rampage. Yeah. And they like went down in a blaze of glory. But yeah, no, not so much. It was okay. more just drug fueled debauchery. Yeah. So. I was just like, like, I, I never heard. Like the true story. Like yeah. Like the actual true story. Like I was like reading this and I was like, what the fuck? Because I was just like, you know, I had heard it. I never like cared to look into Too it much into it, more because yeah. it was just like, oh, it is what it is. I think similar to most things in its similar category, I guess. So kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde type of a thing. Like the legend kind of the legend is greater than the true story. So yes. people just like, you know, you know enough of the story to kind of connect your own dots. And you're like, well, that's good enough because that's yeah. crazy and fantastical enough to me. I don't need to know the real story. So. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. So according to New York magazine, the night of the murder went like this at two thirty AM. Nancy asked, uh, rockets, red glare, a sometimes bodyguard for Sid, who also sold drugs, according to the New York times to get some, Delauded's an opiate painkiller. Um, so around uh, 7.30 a.m., female moans were heard from the room um, from another guest in the hotel. At 10 a.m., Sid called down to the front desk asking for help. Nancy, who had been stabbed in the stomach with a knife, bled to death on the bathroom floor. She was only 20. Yep. That was crazy. That crazy. 20 years old. 20 years old. 20 years old. Yeah. Just insanity. Yeah. So, uh, Vicious was found wandering uh, the hallways in an agitated state, was arrested uh, was arrested and charged with her murder, according to the UK's Independent. Mm-hmm. Though he initially confessed to the crime, he later denied it, claiming he had been asleep when she was dead, or when she died. Uh, theories of who killed Nancy are uh, still swirling to this day, and many suggest said Vicious was not responsible. Uh, some wondering... Uh, some wonder her stabbing was a robbery or a drug deal gone bad, according to the New York magazine, or perhaps that Nancy, with her flair for the dramatic, stabbed herself and Vicious wasn't able to help her because he had been uh, had taken too many drugs. Mm-hmm. So the 2009 documentary Who Killed Nancy suggests that Vicious could not have murdered her because he was out cold from his barbiturates. The view of the Sex Pistols' former manager, Malcolm McLaren, who was adamant in the piece of the Daily Beast that Sid could not have killed his girlfriend unless her death was actually a botched double suicide. Uh, McLaren writes, She was his first and only love of his life. I am positive about Sid's uh, innocence. McLaren notes how uh, money was stolen from the room while Sid was passed out on the bed. Hmm. So one theory is that Rocket's Red Glare, the drug dealer who supplied the opiates that night, killed Nancy. According to author Phil Strongman in his book Pretty Vacant, A History of Punk, Nancy confronted Red Glare when he tried to steal cash from their hotel room, so he stabbed her in the stomach and split. Noticing Sid flat out and gray on the bed, um, Red Glare decided to help himself to a bit more of the couple's cash. Um, Nancy saw the attempted theft and flew at him, nails flying, and copped a Bowie knife in her lower abdomen. Nancy slumped on the floor immediately. With no one standing in his way, Red Glare took everything but the uh, but pocket change and left behind what he believed to be two corpses. So there was something that I had read, and I don't know why I didn't include it in here, but the that there was no prints or anything on the knife. Mm-hmm. Like, it was wiped clean, and I'm like, I'm sorry. If he did it, 
Why the hell? Such a drug-addled state. I don't think anybody was of clear, sound mind to wipe the handle of the knife. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I was just like, that to me was just like, that's weird. Um, So strong strong man continues that in January of 1978, uh, Red Glare was heard confessing about the theft and murder at the punk rock club CBGB's. So Rocket's Red Glare casually admitted to sell uh, several fellow drinkers that he was actually um, who robbed and stabbed Nancy and produced a handful of her bloodstained dollars to prove it. Um, so in the days following after Nancy's murder, Sid was released on a $25,000 bail supplied by Virgin Records, their label at the time. Hmm. Which I was like twenty five thousand dollars in nineteen seventy eight. I just what do you think? Sh- I know I'm just more shocked at the fact that Virgin Records actually put the money up for his right bail and didn't let him rot there. A hundred thousand. What do you think? I'm saying a hundred thousand. Twenty five thousand in nineteen seventy eight. Maybe I'm maybe seventy say, maybe seventy five. Nah, I'm not going to say even that much. I'm going to say only forty thousand. I'm going to go with seventy five. Uh, what did you say? I said 40,000. What did you say? 75. Uh, it's actually 99, 842, and 2 cents. Fuck! Oh, shit. I should have went with 100. That's what I said first. <laughs> and then I Damn. doubted myself. Yep. Wow. Yep. I'm surprised it's that much of a difference. I know. But it's not that long ago. It's not that long ago, though. Well, I mean, I was thinking about kitties, because we had guessed it on kitties, and I didn't feel like it was that. No, yours was... Yours was super close, but there wasn't that big of a difference. I yeah. Think it was only like five, 50 bucks to like 300. Yeah. And now that's, you're saying that it's increased by three times yeah. in give or take. 40 Damn. something years. That's crazy. I take it back. I say my first guess. Wow. <laughs> my first guess. I take it back. I'm terrible at this game. Okay. So in his, in his dependency over his girlfriend's death, he tried to, uh, he tried to commit suicide by slitting his wrist, but was unsuccessful. A short time later, Sid's bail was revoked after he assaulted Patty Smith's brother, Todd Smith, with a broken Heidekin's bottle in a New York City bar. Dang. Yeah. Punk, the punk life. I actually didn't know that. The punk life. Uh, so he was sent to Rikers Island, a New York City jail, and freed on an additional $10,000 bail. Following his second release from jail, Sid and uh, friends had a party at the Greenwich village apartment of his new girlfriend michelle robinson his mother Anne beverly was in new york city and scored some drugs for an evening of celebration wow um so on the morning of february 2nd 1979 in robinson's apartment sid was found dead of a heroin overdose by his mother and robinson so according to the guardian um police found a syringe a spoon and a substance near sid's body mm-hmm. he was 21 years old not crazy they're so young like i literally thought they were at least in their like late 20s yeah and i watched an interview with him and like someone was asking him what he does for fun and he's like basically was saying that he didn't want to have fun mm-hmm. and they were like well what do you want to do and he's like i want to be under the ground like he just was so yeah broken mm-hmm. it's crazy man. yeah Drugs. So, friends of the couple and old-timers from the punk scene are disappointed that Nancy's killer was never seriously uh, pursued by police. I agree with that. Yeah. So, Nancy's murder was never really investigated. Yeah. Um, Ellen uh, Polk, the photographer, told The Independent, uh, there were a lot of dangerous people hanging around them back then. If he hadn't have died and the case went to trial, uh, Vicious uh, may well have been 
acquitted. So in 2014, a regretful Johnny Rotten told the UK's independent he felt responsible for Sid's death for having invited him to join the band in the first place. Hmm. He basically said he didn't stand a chance. Yeah. And I guess I I definitely understand that. I think I agree with them being frustrated that nobody really pursued any other options other Mm -hmm. than like, I think it was just one of those things of, oh, well, the person who did it is dead now, so we don't have to look any further. And I really, truly don't think that. I mean, again, I don't know. I'm not. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm not an expert. I have no idea. I don't think that Sid Vicious killed Nancy. Oh, I don't think he did either. He was so obsessed with her. He was so obsessed with her and he was so he was so far gone on drugs that night oh, yeah. that it just it doesn't seem that it would have been physically possible for him to have done it. No. Now, could I see her possibly doing it? For the flair of the dramatic? Sure. Yeah, yeah. agreed. But I did see someone else had said um I was watching one of the documentaries also, and they were talking about how they also had, like, a suicide pack, too, together. So, well, I think once Nancy passed, it was really, truly only a matter of time before Sid wasn't too far behind, because I just don't think that he would have been able to survive without her. Mm -mm. But, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's it's such a crazy story, and it's, I, I definitely agree with what we were talking about earlier. I think, like, the legend kind of outlives the facts of the oh, case. Yeah. So you you know Sid and Nancy, you know that there was a tragedy, you know that they're both they're both dead, but you don't really know what the story is cuz oh, you're, yeah. you're like, you know, it's kind of like that Mandela effect type of a thing. But yeah, the story is is crazy. I've also heard theories that somebody had said that there was someone else in the room? No, I heard theories okay. where like, she rolled over on the knife and that's why there was no fingerprints uh, there, on it. There was another one that there was like another person in the room mm. besides the two of them and yeah. Marcus Riggler. Yeah. Interesting. So the, they had said that there was like another person that they didn't know who it was. There, I mean, but I mean, this, this happened in 1978. So you have to think there's been 40 years in between, 40, 42 years in between. Yeah. For all these theories to kind of just pop up because people don't want to think that he was the one or. Yeah. So yeah. you never just, you never really know. They're, the only people who know were the people that were there that night and yeah. two of them are gone. Yeah. And if they were the only two people that were there, no one's ever really going to truly know. So oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a crazy story. It's a crazy story. It's a crazy it mixed up crazy story. So. Well, <sighs> all Thank you so much once again, as always, for listening to Bed Crime Stories. Please find us on your social media, uh, Instagram and Twitter at Bed Crime Stories. Uh, go ahead and shoot us an email if you have any questions. Um, that will be at Bed Crime Stories Pod at gmail.com. Um, so, yeah, so find us on socials. Shoot us an email if you have any questions, if you have any hot requests for any true crimes that you would like to hear about in the future. And then if we get enough questions, we can do a QA like episode. A, yeah, take it easy, kind of give you guys a little break from the murders and the talk murders. about questions instead. But, uh, Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified whenever new episodes drop. Um, Rate, review, tell a friend, uh, listen to the episodes, and and let us know what you think. Subscribe. Uh, Subscribe and tell us how. Um, 
so we hope that you enjoyed this night's this night's no we hope that that you enjoyed this night we hope that you enjoyed tonight's episode and we will catch you all next week on the next episode of bad crime stories but until then sweet dreams Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.